21CL Radio. Happy Monday morning, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. My name is Michael Bull, and I am your host. Happy and thrilled to have you here. Thanks for joining us on our mission, of course, which is building communities of learners. Speaking of building communities of learners, today I've got a special guest, Kim Cofino. For most of our time, when we heard the word coaching, we thought of sports, a woman or a man encouraging and moving an individual or team forward as they work to perform at their best and earn those most points. Today, as education evolves, including our own specific roles, we see teacher coaches becoming more popular at schools. But is it the same job as the traditional sports coach? Today, I talk with Kim Cofino, a longtime learning coach, about the role of coaching, what it takes to be a coach and what success looks like. Enjoy the conversation. Kim Cofino, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, we've known each other how long? Like 10, 20 years or something like that? (laughs) It's been a while. I don't know about 20 years, but I'll go for 10. Yeah, a little while. And I finally got your job here at International School Bangkok. I think it took me 10 years or something. And now I get to work as a technology coach here in the elementary school. And you were in elementary here originally, right? I was quite a while ago. Yep, that was um, maybe like eight years ago. Okay, so once in a while we do hear about you, by the way. Always good things. That's nice. That's nice to know. Isn't it cool to leave a legacy like that? I'm very flattered. Okay, so I'm getting off topic here. So anyways, (laughs) uh, but since then you have, uh, it's been a springboard, I assume, to greater and more wonderful (laughs) things. And uh, hopefully I can follow in those footsteps. But you are, today we're going to talk a little bit about coaching, the idea of coaching. And I wanted to start out right away, what is good coaching? Or what is coaching in general? I think coaching has lots of different facets. Um, For me, I guess my main priority is working with teachers to help them authentically use technology in the classroom in a way that's meaningful and useful and valuable and effective for them. But I think coaching also has other facets of, you know, working with parents and helping the parent community understand why we do what we do, Uh working with admin and understanding the future of learning and what that might look like and how you can take your school from where you are to where you might want to be. And generally just being on like understanding the digital world so that you can help all stakeholders in your community move forward. Okay, so it's a simple job where all you have to do is work with teachers, you have to work with parents, you have to work with administrators, and so they understand the future of learning. Is that it? Yeah, it's a breeze. Okay, I got it. So your (laughs) typical person new to that might uh, be a little stressed to hear that list. Is there, like, how would you step into it? Let's say you're new to coaching and you've mentioned all the things that you can or should do. What would maybe be some of the first steps you'd suggest to somebody? I would start by trying to understand what's going on in the school community first and get an idea of what's happening in classrooms and where people are at so that you can see how you can help them move forward. I think a lot of times people come into coaching from the classroom and they're super keen and super enthusiastic. And maybe they've done a lot of really successful things in their classroom. So they're maybe a little bit farther ahead than the um, general school community. And sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and see where people are so you can help them move forward. And that goes for not just teachers, but also parents and admin. Do you think that's extra difficult, though, for especially in the technology area? Because we tend to be people that want to try new things and try it fast, and it's sometimes hard for us to play the long game. Yes, absolutely. And it's very frustrating. 
on both sides, right? Like it's frustrating <laughs> on the teacher side because they're, why are you trying to push me so hard? And it's frustrating on the coach's side because you have to try to figure out how to see where people are and kind of help them move forward without pushing too far. So there's, there's two points of view. I, th- I think maybe you wrote about this one. There's the pushing the person along a little bit, being seen more as a, I don't know, not an administrator, but more pushing them to, for change versus encouraging them to change. Do you have a personal preference on which you think is better or does it maybe depend on the personality of the person? I think it is really heavily about relationships and building that kind of trusting community with your teachers so that it's not seen as, I don't think coaches can evaluate teachers. I think that's Uh a really hard line. Um, So I think it is about the relationship and encouraging people. But I also think sometimes encouraging people along can feel like pushing, even if that's not what you intend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, from their point of view or maybe from the coach's point of view too. Especially from the teacher's point of view, I would say. Okay. So when they give, <laughs> when they give you that sort of look, <laughs> or they don't reply to your emails, then maybe you're pushing it too far, huh? Exactly. <laughs> well, that kind of gets into one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, how do we know as coaches, or you know, whether it's a math coach or a literacy coach or a technology coach or a digital coach, how do we know if we're, we're doing a good job or not? What are some signs? People want to work with you. Okay. I think that's the number one sign. If people want to work with you, then that means you're approachable and what you are doing is something that they feel will really help them and they feel like you're adding value to their classroom. So I think that's the first sign. I think if you can see teachers sharing with other teachers things that perhaps they learned with you or they learned because of you or they learned Uh when you mentioned something to them and then sharing with others, kind of like spreading the learning in their department or their grade level or amongst the school and kind of connecting with others. So building that kind of culture of, of sharing and learning, I think that's a really positive sign. Obviously, if you see students doing things that you are encouraging and seeing students take ownership of their learning in ways that your work helps promote. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can also know that it's working because parents are talking to you and talking about these things with you and then talking to each other. Like I love running parent tech coffee mornings and at the beginning of the year saying something, and then at the end of the year hearing the parents say it to each other. Um, so you know when parents are repeating the kinds of big concepts that you're sharing that your message is getting across. Mm-hmm. And I guess in terms of admin, if you can see admin supporting the work that you're trying to do and helping you move forward, you can see where that has a positive impact really clearly. Well, that's one of the things is is measuring this is difficult. So, I, you know, you can... If you ask a person if they're doing a good job, whatever that job might be, they generally say, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely doing a good job. Right. But how do we really know, especially the things you're talking about, which are a little intangible, which is building relationships and knowing whether people want to actually work with you and whether the ideas are shifting. There doesn't seem to be any magic test. Or is there a magic test? Or, or what do you think is a ways that a coach could look and say, yes, I'm, I'm doing well, or these are areas I need to improve? That's a really good question. You, you have a really good answer? No, I don't have any answer for you. I think um, I think it's really hard to be self-reflective in that way because, of uh-huh. course, you always want to think that you're doing a good job and you can always see the positive in what you're doing. I guess I think if you see curriculum developing in such a way that student learning is improving through the work that you do, you mm-hmm. can look at that. That's obviously really concrete, but that's really hard to begin with, to even say that. If we had an answer for that, we'd both be rich. Uh Um, (laughs) But I guess, uh, 
thinking about how you can improve, I guess, would be things like if you wish certain things were happening, you could identify maybe if you were a teacher, what you, you would like to have happen so that you could do that thing. I'm not explaining that very well at all. No, I hear what you're saying. Like a, ma- a math coach in some ways has it easier. They can, you, can, you have a math assessment maybe twice a year and you, you can compare it from last year to the next year to the current year to see mm-hmm. if there's been changes. Then you can correlate and say, yeah, that was me that caused all that. But within the digital world, because it's always about something new. So we don't yes. even know if that new thing is any good anyways. Yes. So it's, it's a bit of a scary thought for sure. Well, how about admin though? So like if I sit down with my administrator and or how are they? How is any administrator going to know whether their coach, and specifically the technology coach, is doing a good job or not? What do you think they should look for? Lots of things. I think they should look for the time that that coach is spending in the classroom. I think they should look for how many different teachers that coach works with and the depth of the work that they do. So sometimes maybe you're not working with lots of people, but you're working with one or two teams and you're doing really good work and hoping to spread that work through a wider audience. I think admin can talk to teachers about how teachers feel about technology and that's kind of intangible too, but Mm. building teachers confidence. And like when you have those, um, what do you call them? when administrators meet with their teachers and they're evaluating them and they have goals and stuff, those kind of meetings Mm -hmm. and talking about how teachers feel about technology and those meetings over the course of the year and seeing if teachers are moving forward. Um, I guess seeing the kind of work that kids are doing and seeing the kind of communications that teachers have with parents and students, Mm -hmm. all of those things I think would be indicators of coaching success. So you and I over the years have probably seen different coaches. Some might be behind their desk a lot. Some might be in the classrooms more, do you have a feel for percentage-wise, like where is the best bang for the buck? Should a coach be in the classroom more often than they're not? Or or should it be more 50-50? I don't know. Where, where do you fall on that? It's a good question, and I've been thinking about it a lot because my experience at ISB and my experience at YIS were very different. Uh-huh. At ISB, and I don't know if you're experiencing the same thing, but at ISB, everything is very structured, and it's very clear that your job is in the classroom as much as possible. And there's a lot of structures in place to make sure that that happens. And I felt like, yeah, I felt like when I worked there, I did a lot of really great work with students and I was always in the classroom and I could see every year more um, better, I would say, better use of technology in the classroom for each project based on the amount of time I spent developing curriculum with teachers and being in the classroom and teaching it and evaluating it and looking at it. And just all very structured and organized and centered around student learning. Right. Then I went to YIS, which not that it's not student learning centered or student learning focused. It's just a much smaller school. So I had a lot more freedom to help move the entire school community forward. And it wasn't as focused on individual classrooms, but more like the vision of the school, taking us from laptop carts to one-to-one to two-to-one and like moving the entire school forward from a much... Um, more whole school perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those experiences were really valuable and, and did help both of those schools, but they're so different. So I guess there's not one way to be a coach. It might depend on your school community, what the school needs, the size of the school, the culture of the school. That doesn't make, any, make it any easier, but I think different school contexts might make that job really different. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the size of the school. So YAS is what, like 450 or something, right, students? 
about 700. 700. Okay. See, I'm obviously not close. And then uh, <laughs> you're pushing 2000 with ISP. Do you think that was part of it? Is that it's easier to make change? You don't have as many committees and things like that in a smaller school. And so the expectation is that you should do that. Or was that just what that school happened to be looking for? And maybe a different school would still want you in the classroom, even if it was smaller numbers. Yeah, I think it, I think it was the school at the time was what they needed and it fit with what I could do. And so it just worked. And I think, I think you're right about bigger schools and 2000 kids, somebody has to be doing the ground level work, mm-hmm. right? But at YS, I could do a little bit of the ground level work, but still also do the big picture and still just be one person. Whereas at ISB, one person couldn't do all that. You need a team because the school's so big. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then maybe you need specific structures for each person yes. within that to do things. So that it's kind of like when you go to a big school, you get a little bit pigeonholed into your job. When uh-huh. you go to a small school, you're kind of asked to do lots of different things because everyone has to wear lots of different hats. Basically, I think that was the same kind of experience, only I still stayed within the tech coaching <laughs> kind of realm. Okay, within the tech coaching realm, I mean, there's, in a lot of ways, tech coaches specifically, more so than maybe others, can work on what they're interested in, right? What they find, they can gravitate towards what they find interesting. Do you think there's a danger yes. that we gravitate towards things we find interesting, although that might not really benefit the school overall, but it sure benefits me because it seems like fun? Yeah, for sure. It's hard to force yourself to do something you're not interested in. That's why this job is so hard to do and then evaluate. Huh. Because you can do such a great job about something you're so passionate about and then leave something else entirely behind. And unless there's clear expectations for all of those things, no one's going to hold you accountable. And so many schools do not have clear expectations. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just hard to have clear expectations, I guess, Uh, especially in the the technology world, because often administrators don't really, they're not techie people themselves, so they don't have that that background. Yep. But But, I think we have a good resource of the IST coaching standards. Those uh are pretty... Pretty descriptive, straightforward, thorough. Would you advocate that uh, just about every school use that as their base for how to move forward or, and things to expect from a coach? I think if you don't know where to start, that's a perfect starting point. Ah, for both schools and coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Themselves as a new one. All right. Well, th- th- you know, we, I mentioned this before the show. If we'd been having this conversation four years ago, we'd be talking more specifically, I think, about tech, right? Like, here's this tool, here's that tool. Check this out. Check that out. Are are we not going to have is, are are we not going to have those kind of conversations? Or are they just mostly shifted to other areas now? I think still teachers love to talk about tools and. So I don't know that that is going to entirely go away, but I think as coaches, we're starting to see more that it's about facilitating the learning, whatever tool you might use. So it's kind of a more bigger picture conversation. And I am really happy about that because lists of tools are not really practical. (laughs) They Uh feel great in the moment, but you know, two days later when you don't remember what anything does and you have to figure it all out from the start, it's not really useful anymore. Uh So I'm glad we're talking more bigger picture now. Um, I think it's more practical, even though it seems more intangible. All right. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about Kim. Do you know her? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> so tell me about a little bit about where did you start, and did you think that you would be doing what you are doing today, you know, which is leading presentations large and small and pushing change on a more macro level than a specific classroom level often? Is that, was that your original goal in life, or did the... <laughs> did, 
did something happen along the way? That was definitely not my original goal in life. In fact, uh, growing up, my mom would always tell me, you make such a great teacher. And I would always be like, no, I hate kids. But that changed along the way at some point. (laughs) Um, Now I love kids. Um, No, I had no idea I would be in coaching. I just got really lucky. My first international school job was at Munich International School. And it just so happened that I went there as an intern in the computer lab. And Ah. at that time, as it was probably in most places in 2000, the math teacher was teaching the computer classes. And I love the math teacher. He was great. But I remember thinking to myself, I could do this even better. Um, And so I pitched it to my admin and they ended up paying for me to get my teaching license and my master's degree and stayed there for five years and built their program. Wow. Um, So it was just kind of right place at the right time. Had no idea that's where I was going to end up. Wow, that's fantastic. And then off to ISB and then uh, Yokohama, right? In between Munich and ISB, I worked in Malaysia at Monkiara International School. Oh, okay, gotcha. I see. So is it the path that you feel lucky that you went on, or I guess you, you guess you could, you're probably going to fib if I, even if you didn't believe me, or would you wish you'd gone a different way? Nope, I love it. Every single day, I feel so lucky that, I mean, I think all international school teachers can totally relate to this. I feel so lucky that we get to live in exciting places around the world, and we can kind of be in control of our lives and where we go and what we do. Um, so to me, it's fantastic. Couldn't be happier. All right. So final question. I always like to ask a future question. Uh, it seems like we moved from talking about tools to talking about coaching to what would we be talking about five or 10 years uh, in the future, do you think? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I know. It's not a fun <laughs> question. <laughs> well, go ahead, go ahead and speculate. Just, just Yes, if you want to. Maybe virtual reality or something. I don't know. Flying cars. Oh my gosh, you really stumped me. I don't know, Michael. Sure, virtual reality, why not? I feel like that's <laughs> coming this year for sure, like getting more and more into Google Cardboard and things you can do with phones and stuff like that. But five years is not this year. Five years is much farther away. Well, I wonder if schools are going to focus more on, entre- on entrepreneurial aspects of life for post-high uh, school, for post-college, those sorts of things or not. Yes. I definitely think we have to start looking at it's not going to be the way it was when we were growing up for our professional futures and schools have to figure out how to support kids in being their own boss, basically, and understanding how to market themselves and all that kind of stuff. So in 20 years or so, we'll know whether we were right or maybe 30. Who knows? If this podcast is still available to listen to. (laughs) That's true. Well, hopefully in the digital world, it'll be out there somewhere among the other millions of things. Forever. We'll we'll see if anybody actually wants to download it. That'll be the key. All right. I've been talking with Kim Cofino. Kim, thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.